0: following audio is a recording from Holy Cross Church in Tucson, Arizona. Welcome back, everybody. If this is your first time here, welcome to Holy Cross. My name's Pete. Um, last, This is our third week of uh, through a series called By Faith, and it's a great opportunity for us to look through scripture through Hebrews 11, uh, through a catalog of people that were commended by their faith, men and women who were commended um, by their faith. And Hebrews 11 is ...is called by a lot of people as the Hall of Faith. Have you ever heard that before? It's the Hall of Faith because these were men and women who were commended for their achievements. Not of uh, accomplishments in, in, the, in the social world or anything like that, but uh, because of their faith. And reflect with me, if you will, on just a, a few other uh, people throughout history... ...that may have been commended for their, for their breakthrough works, whether it's science, medicine, or whatever... Um, I think of in the conquest of kingdoms and things like that, I think of Alexander the Great and Napoleon. Um, or what about people that have advanced in science and physics, like Newton um, and Einstein, and um, that inventor of the ShamWow? Uh, nothing. Uh, what about medical breakthroughs, like uh, Alexander Fleming, who discovered the antibiotic penicillin? Uh, humanitarian aid, like a lady named Clara Barton, who started the American Red Cross, uh, sports greats like, just tell me, sports greats like Montana. Emmett Smith, Montana, okay, works for me. Composers like Beethoven and Mozart. Uh, so pretty much you look at the history uh, of all of mankind and, and, and there's people that come to the forefront in their fields and industries that have been great in what they've done. I mean, pretty much just think of anybody, just think of the cast of you know, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, right? Now, if that reference means nothing to you, I am very sad. (laughs) Go home and and watch it. Uh, Not right now, afterwards. Um, I would assume that if any of us were in the presence of some of these people that we listed, maybe if they were here with us tonight, we might feel pretty intimidated, pretty small, pretty unaccomplished, um, and and rightfully so. Um, Who knows, maybe some of you here tonight will be um, listed in that list uh, 100 years from now. But the man that we're going to look at today who is commended for his faith... (laughs) If any of these people we listed were in his presence, they would feel small. They would feel ashamed. They would feel like they have not accomplished much. His name was Enoch. And his life was so impressive, so glorious, so achieved, that God himself was abundantly pleased with this man. So pleased that God took Enoch straight up to heaven without Enoch dying. Enoch was, the Bible says Enoch was, and then he was not, because God took him. He was walking on the earth, he was living his life, and God snatched him from the earth and took him to heaven without him even dying. Because he was so pleased with this man. We don't know a lot about Enoch, but let's read a little bit, a couple verses in the Bible that do, do talk about Enoch. First, let's go to Genesis chapter 5. We're going to read two verses, two short verses that talk about, a little bit about Enoch, his faith, and why God was so pleased. Enoch, um, Genesis chapter 5, verse 21. When Enoch had lived 65 years, he fathered Methuselah. Enoch walked with God after he fathered Methuselah 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. Now let's go to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 5. By faith Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. Now, before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. We don't know much about Enoch, but those great verses tell us a little bit about him. I got this book for Christmas Biography of Steve Jobs. 600 pages, right? Chronicling the life, the accomplishment, the achievement of this man who has affected. Millions, probably billions of people. The way that we live life is different because of this man. The founder of Apple, Macintosh computers. Um, all of these. And there, and there could be a dozen more books chronicling the life of this man and all of his accomplishments. And we don't have a book like this on someone like Enoch. It might serve us well if we did to know a little bit more about him. But what we have on Enoch could fit on the front of this 3x5 card. And because of what was on the front of this 3x5 card, God was so pleased, more than any other accomplishments that anybody could do. And we're going to learn about what was on this card. What what do we learn about this man named Enoch that God was so pleased about? It says that he walked with God. What pleased God so well, so much... His accomplishments that God was so pleased by was that he walked with him. Enoch was given this name by Jewish people who would come after him, by the Jewish scholars and religious leaders at the time. And, and you're going to love this nickname. Some of you are going to take it for yourselves after I tell you. 2,000 years ago, they gave Enoch this nickname, and it was Metatron. I'm not kidding when I say that. His nickname, his name that they called him was Metatron. I mean, he was a cousin of a transformer, right? His name was Metatron. How awesome is that nickname? How do you get a nickname like this? You achieve the highly coveted accomplishment of walking with God. And that's what Enoch did. What we know about Enoch does not elaborate, but what, uh, what it means to walk with God. And so we're, we have the privilege of looking at some other scripture tonight and looking at How can we define that? What does it look like then for us to walk with God? What is pleasing to God? How do we live by faith and walk with God by faith in our life? And the three things we're going to look at, we're going to walk in friendship, walk in conviction, and and walk in hope. Uh, Let's look at the first one. The Christian testimony is often called a, a walk with God. And so we look at what does it mean to walk with God? The first is to walk in friendship, to walk with friendship with God. Um, I imagine there are two kinds of tendencies that you fall into, uh, one or the other. One is that you have a God, you view a God that is way too high. Uh, like when you think about God, God is far off. He's at a distance. He's really unapproachable. He's very strict, very mean, very um, angry at you when you sin. And when you do wrong, you feel that God is looking down on you in judgment. And you feel that his, the weight of his condemnation and his, his eyes are just looking at you. And you feel guilty, you feel shame, and he's far off, and he's kind of this power in the sky, uh, like this cosmic cop that's looking down on you. And then the other tendency that we can fall into is having a God that's too low, like Jesus is our homeboy, right, that Jesus is our buddy, and that, you know, God did away with all that anger and wrath in the Old Testament, now Jesus is just our roommate that's just like hanging out with us all the time, right? Jesus is my boyfriend, maybe, we have a view of God that can be a little too low. When we look at what it means to walk with God, we see that it's a lot like a very good friendship. And that's why I say walking with God is a lot like walking in friendship with God. And look at what, look at what Scripture says about friendship with God in John 15, verse 14. Jesus says this to his friends, his, the disciples following him. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant doesn't know what his master is doing but I've called you friends for all that I have heard from my father I have made known to you Now if you take into consideration the cultural context of what was going on in these these young men's life these Jewish men following Jesus who was like a rabbi to them the context of what's going on is at the time there was this very extremely high view of God where he was just way too high that the Jewish leaders put pressure on everybody who wanted to be religious and to follow God and to walk with God, they put a burden of, of works and deeds for these people. You had to do so many things to please God. And your whole day was so occupied with just making sure that everything was in order in your life. And if you think of the context of that, of these Jewish boys following Jesus who claims to be God, and then he says to them, you are my friends. This is an extremely stunning level of familiarity and comfort that he is inviting, inviting them into that they had not seen before, that no one has seen before. They, they had this view of, thinking back, the way it was was an extremely vertical view of God. So man and God, so we're down here, God's up there, and it's just extremely vertical. He's really far away, he's far off. If we want to get to him, there's a lot we got to do. We've got to climb really high to get to him. And there's something that when Jesus says, you are my friends, this vertical relationship starts to shift, and it starts to come on a level that is unprecedented, a level of comfort and familiarity and friendship that no one has seen before. And it's just stunning. He's saying, I don't want you to have a view that's too high of me, I don't want you to have a view that's too low of me. I want you to know the reality of my relationship to you without you losing the authority that I have in your life. It's like him saying, I'm, I'm still God, but I'm not one that is far off or impersonal, but I'm one who walks with you through life, that comforts you, that nurtures you, that talks to you, that, who guides you, who personally invests in you. And so when we think about what does it mean to walk with God, we can't think about a walk with God or a relationship with God without thinking about God in these terms. That he has come to be a friend to us. Someone who's not far off, but someone who's very close. Some of you might feel like um, you're in, the, in a dark place, that God's forgotten you, that you've talked to him and he's not responding, that you're saying, you know, you're saying that God's a friend and he's really close, but I feel that God is very, very far off. And I, and I invite you to consider this, this wonderful testimony and portrait of what God is saying to us. He says, you are my friend. And I am your friend. And I'm closer than you think. And we can pursue him as he is a friend and someone who's close. The language walking with God is, is a language of friendship. A level of personal comfort and association that we can have with God when we have it by faith, like Enoch did. And Jesus gives us another picture of this level of friendship by describing his relationship to the Trinity. Now, the doctrine of the Trinity, although at times very confusing, very complicated, very hard to understand, the Bible affirms and describes the doctrine of the Trinity in this way. There is one God. There is one true God. And within that Godhead, there are three distinct persons. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. These three persons are equal in glory, equal in honor, equal in power, equal in majesty. And so when we look at scripture and what it affirms about the Trinity, we see that God himself has relationship and friendship within his own being. Now this is a very, it's almost like, what? Like God has, he's, his best friend is himself? He has relationship within himself? But this is what he's saying to us now. Now that we see that well, God God has friendship and relationship with himself, he is now saying, I invite you into that relationship with me. I I exist in friendship, I exist in relationship and community within myself, and I invite you into that reality. It's just mind-blowing that God, who is holy and perfect, would do that. And isn't that like a great friend? Isn't that what a great friend does? When you have a great friend, he, he or she in, yeah, introduces you to the relationships that they have and the friendship and the closeness that they, they share with another person. And say, you know what? This is something I enjoy. You're probably going to enjoy that too. Let me introduce you. And that's what God is doing. He's saying, I invite you into this fellowship that I have within myself so that you might be blessed. And wouldn't that be weird if a friend you, had a, you were really growing close with somebody and you wanted to meet their friends and they're like, no, you don't know, I don't want to introduce you to anybody. You're thinking, you might not be a good friend or something's really wrong with your friends or just, I don't trust this, there's something going on. You're, you're not being completely honest. But Jesus is saying, you're not a servant, you're not a slave because I let you know about what the Father is telling me. I, I, I let you into this relationship, into this friendship. And it's wonderful. Galatians 5 16 says this, and the question is, how do we then walk with God today? Because Enoch, we don't know what, what it was like when he walked with God. Did he walk, uh, was, was it like a pillar of smoke? Was it an apparition of some sort? Was it a presence that we don't experience today? What does that mean? Because you may be thinking, okay, come on, what does it mean to walk with God? Because I'm not going to walk, I'm not going to go outside and walk with God. But let's look at what does it mean then to walk with God today, knowing this relationship he's invited us into. Galatians 5 says, but I say walk by the Spirit, and you'll not gratify the desires of the flesh. And again in John 16:13 says this, when the spirit of truth comes, he'll guide you into all truth. And so this walking with God is one of a, a spiritual sense, one of a relationship that we that the Holy Spirit indwells us by faith and we have this relationship, this connection, this friendship, this close intimacy with God through the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our life. That the work of Christ on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins is applied to our life through the work of the Holy Spirit. And He's close, and He's near, and He guides us and He teaches us. And so we walk with God by walking in the guidance of the Holy Spirit, who is God. I encourage you to pause and reflect on this aspect of faith and friendship with God and just simply ask this question Do you feel that God is your friend? Do you feel that you have a friendship with God? Who are your best friends? Think about the people that are your best friends. You have their face in your mind right now. You probably are thinking of them. And there's probably something about them that's like this. They know so much about you, and they still love you. They they know the most about you, and they still love you. Isn't that what the Bible says about Christ and us? while we were yet sinners, while we were yet enemies, when we really couldn't get any worse in God's eyes, he died for us. So is God a friend? Absolutely. Why? Because he knows the worst about us and he still gives gives himself completely to us. That's real friendship. So walking with God is an element of friendship and closeness. Number two, it means that we walk with conviction. And So let's talk about that. What does it mean to walk with God as an element of conviction? Colossians 2, verse 6 says this, Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Now, the order of this passage is key to what it means to have this conviction. It says, first, as you received him, so looking at verse 6, as you received him, so walk in him. The wisdom of the world and possibly your natural tendency, and maybe this is the way that you operate today, is is like this. Walk the straight and narrow. Do the right thing. Make the right choices so that God will receive you and accept you. This passage is saying something very different. To walk in Christ means something different. We walk in obedience because we've received Christ. I wear a wedding ring. Not because I'm looking for a wife. I wear a a wedding ring because I'm married. Already. Already. The act of putting on a wedding ring demonstrates that there's an identity and a conviction about me, and I'm doing this to demonstrate that conviction and identity. It would be silly to say, I'm going to wear a wedding ring so that someday I might be married. Because maybe if I act married, and look married, and do things that married people do, like go to bed, Beth, and beyond, I'm going to find a spouse. And I think we, can, we think of our relationship with God a lot like that. If I act like a Christian, if I look like a Christian, if I talk like a Christian, maybe God will have favor on me and love me and forgive me for all the wrong that I've done today and yesterday and tomorrow. It doesn't work like that. It says, as you've received Christ, since you've received Christ, since your life, there's a new identity, since you've received Him and, and believe and understand the testimony of Jesus Christ, since you've put your faith in Christ... In what He's done on the cross, His works are not yours. Since you've done all that, then walk with Him. Pretty amazing. To walk with God is to live out our conviction for what we believe. And what does faith believe? I'm gonna. I want to narrow it down to like the simplest phrase that I can think of. So okay. So what does it mean then to believe and have a faith and walk in conviction? What does it mean then to to do that and here it is here's what it means to have faith in God it is saying I belong to you and you belong to me to have faith in God is to say to God I belong to you and you belong to me somewhat like a marriage vow isn't it it's like a marriage relationship since there is this conviction since these vows have been made I belong to you and you belong to me To walk by faith is to live out that conviction. What am I going to do about this? Why am I going to do this thing in my life today? Because I belong to God and he belongs to me. Why am I not going to live like this or treat people like this? Because I belong to God and he belongs to me. Why am I going to make the choices that I make today? Why am I not going to do this when I leave tonight? Why am I going to have these dreams and not others? Because I belong to God and he belongs to me because there's this conviction of who I am. And so the way that I live is out of a conviction for what I believe. That's faith. Have you ever been to an unknown city, a city you're unfamiliar with that you've never been to before, and you go and you meet a friend there, and, and you're walking around the city, and you're completely at the mercy of your friend, and... And you're walking along the road and you're like, where do we go now? And a friend says, we turn right here. And so you walk with your friend and you're completely trusting that you're getting to where you need to go. And this person who knows the area, is familiar with the city, is guiding you. That's what faith is like. You're saying, I trust you as my friend. I trust you that you know where you're going. And so I'm at your mercy and I'm going to follow you. I'm going to walk with you. That's what it means to walk with God. To believe you're my friend. I trust you. I'm close with you. You know the right way. And so I'm going to follow you. Even when it feels like you're going in circles, saying, surely, God, you know the way. In verse 6 of Hebrews, we learn a third aspect of walking with God, and and that is to walk in hope. And we read this about Enoch in verse 6 that we read in Hebrews 11. Without faith, it is impossible to please him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Enoch is a real-life example that when we get Christ, our reward is eternal. Our reward is forever. Let me paint a picture for you about what's going on in in the life of Enoch. Uh, Everyone lived so old back then. Uh, Adam lived for 930 years, and that's not a typo. And the first several generations of people lived for hundreds of years. It's amazing. Now, here's what they know up to the point. Right before Enoch was taken up to heaven, only one person in all of existence had died of natural causes, and that was Adam. Think about that. Think of seven generations in your family. How many generations are, are still alive? Two, three at most? In seven generations, the whole, all, all the world is looking and saying, we only know one person who's ever died of natural causes. And they know of Abel, who was murdered. So when Abel was murdered, they know something, and that something is, it's possible to not live forever. It's possible to be killed and to die. Your life could come to an end. Then when Adam dies, they know something else. That is, not only is it possible to die, but it's also possible to, to not live forever because of old age. But there's something that they didn't know yet, and that was, is it possible to live forever? And what happened with Enoch told them something new that they have never known before. That it's possible to live forever. That it's possible to have eternal life. That it's possible to not die. And that was mind-blowing. It wasn't, when Enoch was taken up to heaven without dying, they weren't just completely shocked because he got taken up to heaven. They were completely shocked because then they knew it's possible to live forever. And, then there's, and therefore, there's hope. There's hope. We can have hope in something. John 6, 5, uh, says this. <clears throat> Jesus is saying this, I'm the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he'll live forever. And the bread that I will give for the, give for the life of the world is my flesh. Enoch was a precursor to something that Christ offers us. And that is hope in Him that we would live forever. Now, obviously, you're thinking, clarify, please. Our bodies may die, but there is a promise given to us that we will not be dead forever, that our bodies will be raised from the dead, and by faith in Christ, given life eternal. And so we don't have to be afraid of dying. That when we see Enoch and then we see the, what Christ did and how Christ bore our sins on the cross, died for our sins, died, was dead for three days and then rose from the dead, the, the death and resurrection teaches us that we too have hope of eternal life. What does it mean to walk with God? It means to walk with a hope that is not in ourselves for forgiveness, for life, for eternal life, but it is looking at Christ. And placing our hope in him and the conviction of what he did and what he accomplished. So that we can have that reward and be with him forever. Have you ever thought of that? That you can live forever? That you don't have to be afraid of death? That death is temporary? That when Enoch was taken up to heaven, that he lives today forever? And that you too can live forever? And this is the reward that God gives to you? if you trust in Him, isn't that amazing? What does it mean that when He says He rewards those who seek Him? When Moses, uh, the story of Moses, when he rescued the Israelites from Egypt and, and led them out of Egypt into the wilderness, they wandered for 40 years, they wandered for a generation, and, and in that time they encountered many troubles and many people died And particularly, there was this one instance where people were getting bitten by snakes. You remember that story? And these snakes were poisonous snakes, uh, lethal venom. These people were bitten. And Moses is like, God, what do I do? And God instructs him. He says, take, grab a snake by the tail and hold it up. And it turns into a staff. And God says, have the people gaze on on the head of this staff. And if they gaze on it, and look at it, believing that it'll save them, they'll be healed. True story. And what happens is many people do that, and when they look on the staff, the scepter, they are healed. Jesus says this in John 3. He said, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. What does it mean? See, that was a precursor to Jesus as well. That when we look in ourselves and we see a need, when we see that, God, given opportunity, I turn from you in so many ways. God, I, I, I disrespect you and others in so many ways and the things I say and do and think. And we look at ourselves and we say, where's my hope? When my hope's not myself, I keep messing up. So where's my hope? Jesus says, look at me like, like the people looked at the staff. When they lifted up their eyes, look at me on the cross, Dying for your sins. And when you look at me and trust in that work and have a hope in my work for you, you will have eternal life. You will live forever. You will not die. And that death you experience in your body is temporary. But you'll live forever. To walk by faith is to trust that he cares for us and is not only willing, but desires to bless us. When I was little, we used to go to Kroger's, it was in the Midwest, it's like Fry's, a common grocery store everywhere, and something that I loved doing when we went was, there was a cookie lady, and she gave out free cookies to all the kids every time that they came to the store. So I'm one of seven kids, a family of nine, we went to the store like twice a day, okay? Every time I would go, we would go up and we would get a free cookie, a free sugar cookie, We got to choose between sugar cookie or chocolate chip cookie, and they both were just delicious. I remember how delicious they were. And here's another thing I remember. I remember that I was, like, deathly afraid of the cookie lady. Every single time, without fail, she gave us free cookies. And every single time, without fail, I was afraid to approach her and ask her for a free cookie. And so someone else would do it. Usually my my mom would go up, or... Or, like, my confident brothers or sisters would go up and grab a couple cookies and bring it back to me. And I was always so afraid of approaching her. Why? Like, why was I so afraid and timid? Because there was something in my heart and in my head that, that believed something. Yes, this woman is so nice, and she smells like grandma, and she gives me a cookie every time. But what if one day I come up to her and she decides to not give me a cookie? I just don't think I can handle that kind of rejection. True story. I'm about to cry. You guys are laughing. <clears throat> and I, I, didn't, I never wanted that to happen. And some of you might be that way, where you're afraid, you're like, I know God is good. I know that every time he has a track record of, of caring for me and answering prayers and comforting me when I feel like those prayers have been unanswered. And, but what if? what is it going to take for that other shoe to drop for God to be angry with me when I go to him and he says... Not this time. And that's keeping a lot of you probably from enjoying friendship with him, from pursuing him, from really going on in a head-on collision to enjoying all that he has offered to you. You say, what if God doesn't accept me? What if he rejects me? You know what's so awesome about this passage, about Enoch's story? Here's the promise. That if we draw near to God by faith, he will never turn us away. Pretty amazing. He will never turn you away. If you go to God and say, God, I need you. God, I can't do this without you. My hope is in you. He will say, I I don't know what he'll say, but his arms will be open and he will will welcome you and accept you. And he'll say, you are my friend. And I treat my friends really well. Is there anything wrong with... (laughs) I look at this book and I look at the life of Steve Jobs and all of his accomplishments and is there anything wrong with living a life like this and pursuing a a career and an adventure like this? And I would say, no. But if you are pursuing your life and you're seeing all these accomplishments and seeing, well, maybe this will make God happy and you've neglected to live your life with what is on this three by five card, with walking with God, then you will come to a point where you realize that this is all worthless. Don't forget the greatest thing about Enoch. The little that we know about him, that God was looked at him and was so pleased that he said, I've got to have you with me right now. Enoch didn't have a tombstone, but if he did, because he didn't die, it's, it would have said, Enoch walked with God. And that's it. And that's all that matters. And on my tombstone, I want it to say, Pete walked with God. In fact, I don't want a tombstone. I want God to take me up and my family and everybody who loves me. Because <clears throat> that'll, be, that'll be sad. I want, that, I want God to be so pleased in my life, knowing that he's pleased because I walked with him, with friendship, with, faith, with, with conviction, with hope in him. And it pleased him so much that he said, I've got to have you with me right now. Isn't that what you want? Isn't that the deepest desire of your heart, that when you come face to face with God, he says, I'm pleased with you, I love you, good job, good job. And what is it going to take for him to say good job to us, to you? It's not your accomplishments. It's saying, did you, did you look at Jesus and see him on the cross and put your hope in him? And if you did, he's going to say, good job. Since those things are real, he's going to say, just walk with me. Walk with me forever. So here's some reflection. Real quick. Know who you are. If you don't consider yourself a Christian, then consider what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that God in all of his goodness created everything that there is for our enjoyment, for his glory, for our pleasure. He created all things to find their purpose in him. But somewhere along the way, when given opportunity, you and I both have done whatever we wanted. And we've rebelled against God and we've sinned against God in so many ways. And the only thing that can restore us back to that friendship and relationship with God is is the work of Jesus Christ and trusting in that. And I want to say to you, there's no waiting period. There's no time to say, okay, how long do I have to actually walk with God until he accepts me and considers me worthy and loves me and considers me a friend? And I would say there's no waiting period. That work has already been done. And that invitation is for you. If you are a Christian, you. Be- I want to say this to you, you belong to Jesus, know who you are, You have a new identity, and you are called to walk with Him. If you trust in Jesus, I would say to you, walk with Him. Walk with Him with conviction, saying, why don't I live like this? Because this is who I am. I belong to God, and He belongs to me. And that is going to determine what you do and don't do in life. To have faith in God, but to gratify the sin nature in your life, as James says, makes your faith worthless. To not live according to your conviction is like having no conviction at all. What's the point of a conviction if you're not going to use it? That's what James says. What point is your faith if you have no works that demonstrate you have faith? And second, enjoy your friendship with God. simply that enjoy your friendship and i want you to think what will it look like then for you to enjoy this relationship friendship with god on a daily basis maybe you feel disconnected like god's really far away and you're like you know what i don't really enjoy him it's more of like a boss employee kind of relationship it's more of like a a, a master slave kind of relationship it's more of like a cop prisoner kind of relationship what would it look like to have a friendship with god have you experienced that what can you do spend time with him communicate with him pray to him Spend time reflecting and meditating on what he says to us in, in, his, in the Bible. And if he says something that's true and says a promise, then you can say, then that promise is true for me as well. And I'm going to believe it and I'm going to live like I believe it. Enjoy that. Seek him daily. <clears throat> and thirdly, is draw near to God. Wherever you are in your life, Christian, non-Christian, I would, I would ask you and encourage you to draw near to him where you are. Draw near to him so that you might enjoy him so you might receive his reward, so that you can glorify him, draw near to him because he cares for you. By faith, we are not condemned when we approach God. When we approach by faith, we are not condemned, we're welcomed, we're received, we're accepted. That's what it means to walk with God. Will you pray with me? For more audio and information, please visit HolyCrossTucson.com.